0: Welcome to Mind of State Revisited. I'm political communication strategist Jonathan Kopp. Between new episodes, we're resharing older conversations that are relevant to more recent discussions and deserve a re listen with fresh ears. This week, we revisit our episode about cultural complexes with Dr. Thomas Singer. Now, we're choosing to revisit this episode because back when we were kicking off this season of Mind of State, we were in the midst of the COVID 19 pandemic a deep economic crisis, and racial tensions as intense as anything we had seen since 1968. And while some things have changed, unfortunately, so many things remain the same. I think Tom's framing around cultural complexes can help us make sense of these forces, how they interact with each other, and how we as a society react to them and to each other. With that, here's our episode with Tom Singer. Have a listen, and let us know what you think on social media, You can find us at Mind of State Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'll see you next week.
1: Welcome to Mind of State, a podcast for both political junkies and armchair shrinks. I'm psychoanalyst and trauma therapist, Betty Tang.
0: And I'm communication strategist and political hack, Jonathan Kopp. Join us. As we welcome experts in politics and psychology to consider this the state of our nation through the state of our minds and the mind of our state. Hi, Betty.
1: Hi, Jonathan, and welcome.
0: Thanks. It is so great to be here with you.
1: Let me introduce you to our listeners. Jonathan is joining me as co host this season to help unpack the state part of mind of state. Jonathan is a veteran of both the Obama-Biden-08 campaign's national media team and the Clinton-92 campaign's war room team. He's a communications strategist who is currently managing director at the Glover Park Group, a D.C.-based public affairs firm. And perhaps most importantly for us, he's one of the co-founders of Mind of State. I'm so excited to dive into Season 2 with you, Jonathan. What interesting times.
0: Interesting times indeed. It seems a blessing and a curse. We are... Relaunching this conversation in a turbulent time, we've got the COVID-19 pandemic, an economic crisis rivaling the Great Depression, and racial tensions as intense as those during the civil rights movement of the 60s.
1: This brings us to what we'll be talking about with our co-founder, Tom Singer, who as a psychoanalyst and an expert on psychology and politics introduced us to the idea of a cultural complex.
0: So let's give our listeners a little bit more information about Tom Singer. Dr. Thomas Singer is a psychiatrist and a Jungian psychoanalyst. He is the expert on the relationships between myth, politics, and psyche. Tom is the president of the Board of National ARIS, which stands for the Archives for Research into Archetypal Symbolism, and he is the editor of a series of books exploring cultural complexes, including the recently released Cultural Complexes and the Soul of America. Welcome to Mind of State, Tom. It's great to have you here.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: I got to say I I feel like I need to lead off with an observation which is I I think secretly in your mind if you had, if it had been up to you mind of state might have been called psyche and polis <laughs> and, and and so I I want to I want to start off by asking you to help us understand what is mind versus psyche and what is polis versus state. Are they the same? Are they different? Are they just Latin words for English words? What's what, t- Talk to us about Psyche and Polis.
2: Yeah, well, I do prefer uh, Psyche and Polis to Mind of State, although I love the name Mind of State for our show. I think it's the perfect name for the show. But I prefer Psyche and Polis, which are their old Greek words. Actually, Psyche is the root of psychology, of course. Psyche is also the Greek word for soul. And polis is the Greek word for state or city-state. But it, it's not just sort of being a Hellenophile and wanting to go back to some old, elitist-sounding, nice names. I actually find the word psychology and the word mind and state rather uh, concrete and uh, heavy. There's not a lot of life. When you say mind, I don't think of something that's living and breathing. I don't think of something that's alive and moving and shifting all the time, winding its way through individuals and groups of people. Uh, Mind is a little bit more mechanical, and we think of neurons firing off if we think of mind at all. And... And state is the same way. It tends to be, we tend to think in terms of bureaucracies and rather lifeless or sterile uh, organizations that that aren't breathing and don't have movement in them. So for me, psyche is filled with movement and vitality and polis is the same thing. If the Greek city-states were anything, they were alive. And I think sometimes we we drain the life out of things when we talk about psychology or mind or state so that's why i prefer using those words
0: yeah i think a lot of the american public and maybe maybe the public beyond america would probably agree with you about uh about conversations of state boring them or or you know lifelessness when when you come to politics i find it you know to be the arena of ideas but sometimes it just gets down to Either partisan bickering or a bunch of bureaucratic bean counters, and and that's not that's not what we're here to talk about. Is it?
2: No, we're here to talk about the very unpredictable and fluid movement of how, when individuals gather together in groups, this this mind or psyche is very alive and shifting. And today, it's almost shifting on a daily basis, according to whatever the news may be. Um, so that that's why I prefer psyche, really.
1: And from what you're saying, Tom, what I'm picking up on on your comments on psyche and polis as analogies to the more fixed or concrete mind and state is that there's flow to those words, and that there's an energy to psyche and polis. Um, so that, that they, as representations of what's going on in our, our souls and our heads and versus what's going in our squares and our interactions with each other about government, um, is, is a very dynamic thing. And it's a flow rather than these fixed and rigid concepts. And so um, I think that that's something really, really important because right now, as Jonathan says Everything is rather volatile dynamism with uh, so much going on with the pandemic, with the economic crisis, with the election coming up, with race relations being what they are. And so this flow and energy and dynamism is, is, is very electric right now um, in, in almost a shocking way, sometimes hurtful, um, but very, very um, un- unpredictable And unknown. And so I wonder, I wonder if that that's accurate to you, or that reflects what some of what you're what you're
2: expressing. Another piece of psyche and polis versus mind and state is that we tend to experience these things in a subjective and inner way. And psyche really refers to how it gets experienced inside or between us. We really don't talk about experiencing mind. It's it's a more objective statement about the structure of the brain, if you will, or the structure of the government. That's not how we take in our government or the polis. That's not how we live it. That's not how we relate to it. And it's the same with psyche. So that that's why I really uh, prefer that. You know, the funny thing is right now it seems remarkably fluid and from day to day as psyche moves and winds its way through, it seems everything is unpredictable. And yet, paradoxically, there are some ongoing themes in psyche and polis. They're not exactly static. But they've been with us for 300 or more years, as long as we've been around as a nation. So on the one hand, there's this tremendous sense of dynamism and fluidity. And then the other hand, there's a tremendous sense of repetition and even static sameness. Uh, If you're a black person and black lives matter Uh, today, probably in some ways, maybe feels a little different than it did in the 1960s or it did in the 17. But the the issue of racism or the issues uh, around gender uh, or the issues around the economy, over time, they tend to be more static rather than fluid, although they feel very fluid in the moment.
0: What I'm hearing is that there are these megatrend kind of sociological themes that flow through our collective consciousness that help drive our society. They shape or influence some of our identity and the ways that we relate to each other and that we we might manifest them in different ways. There are different uh, moments that bring them to light. There are different terms of art that we might use to describe them. But what you're saying, I think, is that there are thematic through lines that link the same things that we're experiencing now to the same things that that we might have experienced 100, 200, 300 or more years ago because they're part of the human psyche. Is that right? That's
2: very well said. Uh, There are thematic uh, through lines. Uh, I might say rather than a sociology, I think of it as an inner sociology. And what I mean by that is that these thematic ongoing issues that the country has been facing for a long time, they – actually exist inside of us they exist inside of us as individuals and they exist inside of us as members of groups or as members of competing groups and so it's not exactly sociology psyche isn't sociology it's inner sociology
0: inner sociology but collective right but collective
2: so it's, but collective
0: so somehow it's within me it's within you and and and, and yet it's also flowing through. Uh, all of us how do, how does that work
1: <laughs> I mean I think something that you're you're saying tom and and Jonathan what you're getting at with the sociology intersociology, sociology and a collective consciousness or unconsciousness as as being a psychoanalyst where we like to think about um, is something humanistic you know the the ways in which we are human and and that jumps us outside of sociology per se and the nature and the, and what it is to be human. And, and that goes into our, our inquiry and our clinical work as psychotherapists. Like how do we, how do we work? And what you're saying, Tom, about the cyclical nature of things is really interesting because we're trained as psychotherapists shrinks um, to look at patterns of behavior in people. And they come to us to, to consider these patterns because they don't want to keep doing the same things over and over again. They say, you know, why, why do I keep doing this? And, and I want to, I want to understand what it is that I'm doing so that I can have more agency over this rather than to have these things keep happening over and over again. Um, They say the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting different outcomes. And so we're kind of having the historical, experience of this if you talk about slavery and the repetitions of these patterns of behavior that root themselves in slavery or the economy or or gender, or, you know, movements in in politics. And I think this is what we want to look at, like, what makes us keep doing the same things, even though they might be pitched in a different way, according to the context. And I think that gets to the the what a cultural complex is, you know, from your book, most recently, and what what we hinged on, and latched on to as as the way to decode and a a way in which we want to look at this entire season and what's going on today. So can you tell us what a cultural complex is, Tom?
2: Yeah, let me me space you out for a minute uh, in terms of how to think about this. So think if you were an amphibian living 400 million years ago and you were crawling out of the sea for the first time and you had to survive on land. Well, you might think you need lungs to do that, but actually Homer Smith, who wrote a wonderful book called From Fish to Philosopher, wrote about the kidney and that the kidney is the key to the survival on land because you need to filter what's going inside and outside in a way that a fish living in the sea doesn't. So think about the kidney as a filter that maintains an internal environment. Now, Think about the psyche. Think about us as human beings who need filters that help us differentiate inside and outside and what we take in and what we don't. I think of cultural complexes as the kidneys of the collective psyche. Now, that's a mouthful, but we have filtering systems that allow us to process thoughts, images, emotions memories, all sorts of things that are part of our everyday living. These are actually very complex process by which all of these things are being put together and they're being filtered and they're being filtered by the individual psyche and the collective psyche. We have a filtration system. So I think of cultural complexes as being a collective Psychological filtering systems for both individuals and groups. And what they do is they allow us to maintain a relatively stable internal environment in relationship to a very complex outer world. And so they filter things on the basis of memory, on the basis of feeling, as I said, on the basis of thought, on the basis of image. And what happens historically is that different groups of people different in living in different places develop different cultural complexes that determine as groups how they think and feel and behave and remember. So I've been studying this for about 20 years, literally all over the world, and most recently in the United States. We have six or seven cultural complexes that have determined our history and our politics, I would argue. But they determine how we think and feel and behave about a variety of ongoing, I think, through themes, as you referred to it, Jonathan. And I call these cultural complexes because they operate more unconsciously than consciously.
0: Tom, can you give us an example? Because this all, I mean... Look, you've been studying this for, for, for years, and you've been studying it all over the world, but to me, it's still sounding very abstract, and I would love for you to just ground it a little bit more. Like, what? what give us an example of a cultural complex.
2: Well, the one that we're living in right now most uh, passionately would be the cultural complex of racism, and racism has been part of our history for as long as we've been a nation for 300 years or so. And racism has all sorts of fixed, simplistic ideas and thoughts, repetitive memories and behaviors and attitudes. And these are deeply ingrained in white people and ba- black people, people of color, people. Everybody has racial complexes. It's not that, it's not that complexes or cultural complexes are abnormal. They're actually normal. That's how we filter the world. In our country, the, the complex, the cultural complex of race has determined a great deal of our history, and most of it has been unconscious and activates ferocious emotion. Unbelievably raw, primitive emotion, very simplistic ideas that tend to be literally black and white and divide things into uh, opposing positions like we get on the Confederate flag or whatever the issue of the day may be, or statues. Once you trigger And complexes, cultural complexes, are highly reactive. Once you trigger them, the emotion that's released is unbelievable. We've just seen that with the George Floyd murder. That activated the oldest, most virulent, potent, and destructive cultural complex in American history.
0: So you're getting at something that I think gets right to the core of Mind of State, right because what you just did you were talking about cultural complexes and psyche and and consciously or not sorry to use a psychological term consciously or not you lapsed into polis you lapsed into politics you started talking about about George Floyd and and the and what i think about as the political process and the political ideas and the issues that are that are welling up and boiling over all across this country i don't think people are out marching in the street about a cultural complex right and they're not marching in the street about psyche or polis they're marching in the street about inequality and injustice and and but it's the it's the emotion that they're bringing to it the anger and the frustration that i guess is tapping into this this primal human notion about about race and so it's that relationship between mind and state between psyche and polis that 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 you've landed us at,
1: and I think Jonathan, to to key off of what you just said, uh, there's something in the cultural and seeing it as a cultural complex or seeing it as a movement um, or a linkage of of how our minds are driving our state. Um, or how our minds are reacting to situations that are happening in our state, which is really kind of not just political, but socio and cultural as well. So it's it's a blend. And I think that that's a piece of this. Um, then we can understand this and maybe break that, or or at least look at the mechanisms of this cycle. You know, that why are we not seeing these cycles repeating themselves? Is it because the emotions are so high they blind us? Is it because there's some resistance that that the cultural complex um, brings forth? How how Tom can we use this this filtration um, system or this awareness that there's a there's a filter, which I see from what you just said as a way uh, a a people self-regulates. So, like, if you're talking about a kidney, that's a, a regulation device or a regulation organ. And so, we talk a lot about self-regulation in in trauma, because it's about sort of extremes being modulated or or out of out of modulation. So, so there's something dysregulated. Um, and so, how does this cultural complex? Because right now, it's it's not regulated. Our our system is highly dysregulated with regard to, say, race, but it's it's highly dysregulated with regard to a lot of things. And so I wonder wonder what you can say about how a cultural complex, if it is a filter, how does it speak to dysregulation or regulation?
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting and good and difficult question because At any given moment, a cultural complex, particularly when it's been activated and all of that raw emotion gets discharged, there's not much regulation going on at all. And these cultural complexes, as I define them, tend to be highly repetitive. That is, they recur over and over in time. And they're also autonomous. They seem to have a life of their own in the psyche and like the George Floyd episode, suddenly it triggers this whole thing. And all of that, all of the stuff that's been waiting to come out around that, which is, which it does periodically surfaces again. So you feel, it feels like you're back in the 1960s in some way. It, it discharges itself. And in those moments, to talk about homeostasis or self regulation is, probably uh, not possible it's it's rather meaningless because because they're not self-regulating and they're not homeostatic. On the other hand, if you take a longer-term view, I do think the psyche tends to kind of compensate for its excesses and does have a homeostatic function. And I think we're beginning to see that in our country right now with the movement against Trump. And it really starts, it's feeling as though whatever energy he was able to mobilize he, he's losing some of it. There's a homeostatic mechanism at work, but the highly repetitious, highly autonomous, and tremendously emotional reactive uh, nature of cultural complexes makes them almost impenetrable when they've been activated.
0: Tom, you got, you, 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 got me excited when you started talking about Trump losing, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, and I have no doubt that we're going to talk a lot more about race through this whole, yeah. uh, uh, season, but let me stop you a second. Cause we're just getting started and these are still new terms, yeah. cultural complex. You gave us one example, racism or race. Are there, are there others?
2: Yeah. Let me, let me, uh, actually, uh, all of this began with a paper I wrote on the eve of the 2008 election, and I was asked to meditate on politics and the soul. And uh, at the time, which would be politics...
0: That was a soulful election. Yes, that was a soulful election.
2: And I thought anybody I was an idiot to take on the task of trying to reflect on the relationship between politics and soul. But as I get, began to work on it, I defined... Uh, seven different areas where I think cultural complexes have been determinative or formative of American history, and I further go on to argue that it's in what we do with these cultural complexes that our soul as a na- of a nation gets formed. So I'm really relating two separate concepts, cultural complexes and soul and the tension in these cultural complexes when we engage them soul can get made or soul can get undone let let me very briefly run through The seven cultural complexes that I think are determinative of our political processes and our historical processes, and of course, this is just one model, and we can add to it, subtract to it, or throw it out the window. But I do think soul gets made in this process. And I'll just, I'll just give you this list. It's the relationship to money, commerce, and consumer goods. That's definitely a cultural complex. The relationship to the natural environment is clearly perhaps the most pressing cultural complex on which the survival of the human species is now uh, dependent. The relationship to the human community, including family life, social life, and the life cycle from conception to death, that's a great big thing. But how we relate to or don't relate to our community as a cultural complex is one of the most divisive forces in our society these days.
0: Particularly relevant in this era of pandemic and social isolation, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, if we, if we don't think we're responsible members of the community and the virus isn't real, we don't put on a mask. It's about as concrete as you can get how we relate to the community.
0: All right, so that's three.
2: A relationship to the spiritual realm, and that's always been an important part of American history and how we define ourselves. And I would argue that it's still incredibly important in terms of what we do with the spiritual values and aspirations and meaning or meaninglessness in our life. That's a cultural complex.
1: Tom, does religious freedom come into that?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Religious freedom is sort of the foundation, really. That's the foundation of our American history. It was based on uh, the fight for religious freedom. freedom. The relationship to race, ethnicity, and gender. All of the so-called others. What we do about gender, race, ethnicity. Now, putting them all together is probably a stupid thing to do. But it's about the other. And it's what we do with people who aren't like us. Or are different from us Then here's a really important one I think and particularly unique To American history In terms of a cultural complex Our relationship to speed Height, youth Progress and celebrity
0: That's a big bucket it's a, There are a <laughs> lot of big
2: buckets here But they overlap And actually these cultural complexes Overlap with one another They're not as pure forms as I'm articulating them but we're all so far we're about speed, height, youth, progress and celebrity. I mean that's that's the deal. We're not about age, you know, let let those old people die in the old folks home of of uh of the pandemic because they really don't count. They're just numbers. I'm not saying that's how I feel, but that's a relationship to age in our culture to older people. And finally, the seventh would be the relationship to the world beyond our borders how we feel about the united states in relation to other countries and we're in the midst of a huge fight about that a huge cultural complex that generates all kinds of emotion and stupid simplistic ideas i mean if you want to if you want to look at stupid simplistic ideas as a function of cultural complexes, look at our policy towards other countries at this state in our Well, the, the
1: shortenings of visas, the challenges to visas on all levels, just absurd, you know? Well, our place um, in the
0: world is 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 in chaos right now, right? Between yeah. putting up walls and uh, banning, travel banning travel and pulling out of the WHO, this is incredibly fraught. And what, what's interesting to me, Tom, is when I hear you list these seven cultural complexes, I... My mind immediately goes to cabinet agencies or committees of Congress or landmark legislation, because that's what I'm hearing in every single one of them, whether it's the, uh, the, the Civil Rights Act or the Equal Rights Amendment um, or the Department of Commerce or the Foreign Affairs Committee. You say cultural complex. I think political and government. You say cultural complex. Betty's thinking psychological phenomena. Right, and that's exactly why I think you are the human embodiment of mind of sleep, right here.
1: (laughs) You know, there's one thing that I wanted to say about the the um, cultural complex on race, you know, or the others, um, race, gender, and ethnicity. You know, I know you're stating the parameters of the complex, but when we're saying different from us, can we re? Uh, frame it as different from the centrist idea of what us is, because, you know, there's this idea that the other is women, the other is immigrants, the other is people of different races, other than white, but there is a presupposition or an assumption to what us is versus the them. And and it's something to, to just kind of clarify, but no less useful to see that this this complex stirs us, no doubt. And and because I fashion myself a good student of your teaching, Tom, I had uh, thought about this as we've been talking about this for months, really, um, that may I add to cultural complexes as um, the relationship to speech. Um, We are a country uh, singular in the world about our our pride and freedom of speech but right now, we really challenge speech in in on both sides of the aisle. Um, we challenge uh, we challenge calling Trump a liar. We we don't want to say that because we want to be impartial in the press, as some people critique. Um, And yet we also are talking about, um, you know, cancel culture and that language uh, of what is right and what is wrong, which which spins the polarization of of, you know, what what emerged from what used to be called political correctness and. And right. so, liberal
0: liberalism became illiberalism pretty quickly, didn't it?
1: Right. And and now but there is there is an importance of speech and how we say things and what we say and where we say it um from from now MSNBC versus Fox News and um what what is really tilting towards extremism, perhaps on both sides. And, and that, that relationship to speech, which we claim to be so uh, open and protected here in this, the United States, really is, is also sometimes dogmatic. And, and the other cultural complex that I would add to the mix is the cultural complex of relationship to loss and trauma. You know, I don't know if because I'm a trauma therapist, I see everything through this lens, but I would say that we are a nation built on loss. But it may be unacknowledged loss, which is, you know, troublesome or troubles us because when we don't acknowledge the loss, we can't heal it. Um, And there's a lot of talk about that with regard to what has emerged from the loss of George Floyd in a very brutal fashion but also the loss of um country the loss of a way of being if you want to talk about make america great again so are we returning to something like what what about the losses that are clear or unclear that we keep replaying so so i wonder what you think about those two ads well
2: i think they're excellent essential ads and what I like to do when I try and use this notion of cultural complex with some some precision and clarity is I I like to look at the defining characteristics and see if those characteristics are uh, what we're like if we're going to say loss how we handle loss in America is a cultural complex. I would ask that the following characteristics be meant. This is very important, at least in my thinking about this. That is, our feelings about loss as individuals and groups of people in the country, they're autonomous. They have a life of their own. Two, that they're repetitious, that they go on inside of us, kind of without our awareness, and uh, they're recurring over and over again. So they're repetitious, they're autonomous, they collect experiences and memories that validate their own point of view. So uh, Trump, for instance, doesn't like to deal with loss, so the, the word becomes move on or whatever the word is, but it's a trigger word to deny loss. We're actually in a culture right now where we're trying to deny the loss of 130,000 people. So it's it's uh, the complex collects experience that validates its own point of view. The thoughts of the complex are simplistic and black and white, and there's tremendous emotion. If those criteria are met, then I think you can speak of a cultural complex, and I think that's true both of of loss and of speech. I would add to speech thinking. I I, I think. That the, the quality of thought in our our country now, we don't, we don't think, everything, everything are simplistic sort of sound bites. And not only is the quality of speech, I think, really far more inhibited than we think, but the quality of thought has, in my opinion, has deteriorated to simplistic black and white assertions for which there's no real response
0: well our politics has become reductionist right it's down to it's down to bumper stickers and memes and and if you if you can't say it in a tiktok video then it's no longer relevant no one's reading the long form and 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 that has a way of uh, of pushing people to the extremes and crowding out nuance. And
1: I think these things are pitched on time and technology, possibly, um, because technology speeds everything up. You know that we are not reflecting, but we're, we're, we're surfing, we're clicking, we're, we're going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And so um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Tom, was when something is autonomous, what do you mean by that?
2: Autonomous means that it has a life of its own without conscious control. If you think of the vegetative nervous system, which controls heartbeat and respiration and digestion, we don't think about having to do any of those activities. They're autonomous. That's the autonomic nervous system. They go on whether we're thinking about them or not.
1: So they're like assumptions.
2: Yeah, they're assumptions. They're ongoing psychic processes akin to vegetative biological processes, that go on and have a life of their own, whether we think about them or not. And what I'd like to add to this conversation, because we've really sort of done a, a kind of rapid run through, is that in our thinking about this show, Mind of State, over the next many episodes, we've kind of used this model of cultural complex as a As a bit of a framework, and so many of the issues that I've touched on very briefly are going to be the topics of much more in-depth conversation. Well,
0: this is a great framework, and it makes me think, you know uh, how much better would our political process be if the actors in it, if our politicians, our government officials, were more psychologically aware right I mean they're living out, they're experiencing, they're expressing cultural complexes, and they don't even know it.
2: Well, I have a thought about that that I want to add in, because it used to be my assumption that because politicians are very good at reading the mind or the psyche of the population, that's what they're trained to do, one would think there would be a natural conversation between those of us thinking about cultural complexes and politicians who are tuning into them and responding and resonating to them every day, and that it would be a very natural conversation to have. And unfortunately, what I've discovered is that the language and the thinking and the and the, and the the way in which we approach approaching, it's really oil and water. They don't go naturally or easily together, although one would assume that they would.
1: And I think one thing that you did say, Tom, about thinking, I mean, I think this is what this show is about, too, is to encourage all of us to think about our politics, to to think about our state. And state has has its limits, but it's also about a state of being, like a place where we're at. And if we can do that, then maybe we can shift some assumptions or shift some autonomous actions in our minds and in our in our culture and our politics?
2: Well, you know, if we encourage people to think, I would encourage people to think about the cultural complexes that they can identify, that they can recognize in themselves, because they tend to be unconscious. And they're naturally occurring phenomena, and we're all moved by them. And right now in our society, we're drowning in them.
1: If our objective is to make the unconscious conscious as psychoanalysts so that people can do something about them, then behave out of default actions because they're just operating within us without um, awareness, then this is um, useful, we hope, and an offering that we can deliver to those who, who want to think about the mind of our states and the states of our minds.
2: A really interesting exercise is to look at the daily newspaper and identify each of the headlines by the cultural complex that they're speaking about. You'd be amazed. They're they're the same ones over and over again every day.
0: You know, we'll publish the list of cultural complexes on the website and, and we'll put it on social media so that people can have that as a guide and use that as a filter for reading their news. Listen, I think, you know, this, this show we're going to be doing every couple of weeks, and in between, all day, every day, we are bombarded by the moment, the crisis, the outrage. What we're doing here at Mind of State is giving people an opportunity to step up, to pull up, to think about more long-term trends and and cultural complexes that have been with us and will continue to be with us throughout uh, human existence And so if we can pull us back from the from the edge to be a little bit more reflective and introspective, we'll have we'll have done something good here.
1: I think we really do want to stop the spin. We want to give people an opportunity to to step out of the 24hour seven days a week news cycle and and think about things that are happening rather than just get bombarded as you say Jonathan.
0: All right so Tom, our our partner, our co-founder, Thank you so much for joining us on the show and framing up what is going to be a very exciting season
2: two. Well, it's, it's a great pleasure to join the two of you in this really stimulating discussion. I get very excited, and it's fun. Thanks for
0: joining us on this episode of Mind of State. And thanks again to our guest, Tom Singer, whose latest book, Cultural Complexes and the Soul of America, can be found anywhere you get your
1: books. If you like this episode, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out what we're up to by following Mind of State on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. Our website is mindofstate.com.
0: Mind of State is produced by Alita Cooper and Jenny Woodward. Our theme song is composed by Joel Goodman, courtesy of Uvra. I'm Jonathan Cobb.
1: And I'm Betty Tang. Join us next time on Mind of State.